Welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is The Business of Clowns, What You Never Knew. And with us today, we have an entrepreneur, a costume expert, and a clown, Trisha Manuel. And her she's a clown. Her name is Priscilla Mooseberger. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Oh, we are so excited to have you. <laughs> <laughs> we like just the getting to meet you was the craziest thing. We were picking up um, some of our product down in the cities and um, we stopped or what's considered cities to us, which is basically anything that is south of like um, St. Cloud. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we we just got to like go into your store and meet you. And it was just so fun getting to know you. So we just had to have you on our show. So thanks for being with us. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. So the first question is, what do you do? I am a professional clown and I started my clowning pretty much with Ringling Brothers, Barton Bailey Circus. And then after I finished my tours, I did three tours on the road with the circus. I started to look around and go, how do I make a living? And I could sew. And so I started making costumes for other clowns that I knew. And that grew into a business that I've had since 1989, where I manufacture professional clown quality costumes for clowns all over the world, mostly in the United States and Canada. But uh, uh, yeah, we've been doing this for what seems like forever. And it's been a lot of fun. It's taken me uh, overseas and all over the country. And I've gotten to know some really amazing people and lived in the clown community for pretty much the last 40 years. 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. That is so cool. Um, Okay, so what is your why? How did you... (laughs) What got you into all this? Well, the first time I got to clown was for a hometown parade. And I can honestly say it was a religious experience. Um, (laughs) The why is great because I said, I don't know why, but I know I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I don't know how, because I didn't know anything about professional clowning, but uh, it just, the journey just kind of unfolded itself. And I was led to, uh, getting accepted into Ringling's Clown College in 1982 and then was offered a contract with The Greatest Show on Earth. And it just, things just kind of unfolded. Um, And then I started looking around. I got hired to do clown arts education. And a little bit after, about seven years after I was teaching at a different uh, clown school in the summertime, I said, you know what? Um, The people around me said, you need to have your own school and helped me create Mooseburger Clown Arts Camp. And for 26 years, I ran Mooseburger Clown Arts Camp until COVID, but we'll be coming back with it again next summer. And uh, this past summer we went, well, we better pivot and do a virtual program called The Joyful Journey. So you can't just stop. The, the why is because you just can't think of doing anything else. Yeah. My question then is, how do you do it? I know that's pretty broad. So if you need me to know. Well, the how was you don't have any other marketable skills. (laughs) So you have to make it work. And um, that was pretty much my story was I had finished clowning on the circus. And I really, you know, there's not a lot of ads in the paper for used circus clowns. 
it's a pretty narrow window of skill. Mm -hmm. um, I got the opportunity to clown at Disneyland and met a lot of really great people who said, hey, you know, if you move out here, we can get you jobs as a clown. And, you know, this was in the late 80s. And I did that. And I was able to work as a clown doing company picnics and parties, uh, you know, on the weekends and then sew costumes during the week. And finally, I realized uh, I needed to be back in Minnesota where I'm from because all the clown conventions where I was selling my products were on the East Coast. Most of the clown clubs and their conventions, because clowns have conventions, just like everybody else who has a hobby or <laughs> business, and we have conventions. Uh, there's the World Clown Association has their national conventions and regional conventions, and the Clowns of America International has a big organization as well. And so it was like, well, I moved back to Minnesota, back to my hometown, Maple Lake, and just he went to conventions and so when clowning was at its I would say it's at its peak was in the 70s and the 80s when it was the most popular before the scary clown stuff kind of collapsed our market and every kid in a metro area had a clown at you know with at their birthday party and the clowns it had a lucrative businesses doing parties doing magic shows and balloons and face painting and it was a it was a great money maker, and I sold lots of expensive costumes to clowns who had big business on the weekends doing parties. Okay, so if you are someone who is fascinated by clowns, what should be your first step in kind of pursuing a clowning career? Well, there's a lot of now with the internet, there's so many great things online. You can call me because I'm mentoring clowns all the time. Yeah, I, we have so many great options at mooseburger.com to help mentor new clowns to just, you have to have a friend in the business because if you, I mean, see if there's any local clowns in your area who want to mentor you. Um, it's really easy to spend way too much money on makeup and costuming and props and stuff. People are just dying to sell you stuff. So it's really important to have a mentor to kind of walk you through uh, different ways to do for your performance, what kind of clown do you want to be? Do you want to do parades? And, you know, have you seen a clown? What, what drives you? Some clowns do just volunteer clowning at hospitals and nursing homes, though that market has kind of dried up for now, but it it's opening back up again. It, there's just what kind of a clown do you want to be? What do you want to specialize in? Do you want to do puppet shows or magic shows or, you know, what, so it's it's so broad it's like saying well I want to be an artist okay what kind of artist and that's as you know clowning is broad like that so you said that you kind of have to know somebody in the business um so like how did you oh, okay how did you find someone in the business you said you started out in like a parade and then how did you find someone well, I, I didn't, which was kind of crazy, but um, honestly, I was an intern at the Children's Theater Company in Minneapolis, and I bumped into this woman at the copy machine. I mean, I was, I was an office intern, and she had on a t-shirt that said uh, Clown Alley on it, and I went, Clown Alley? What's that? What's an at Clown Alley? And she just laughed at me and said, you know, because basically I didn't know anything. Well, Clown Alley is the term for a clown club. Because the clowns were in the alleys between the two circus tents. The clown's dressing area was always right next to the back entrance. Because if anything went wrong, the 
on the circus the clowns have to go in and distract the people from any kind of disaster that might have happened and she told me all about clowns of america international and gave me one of their magazines and that's where i saw the advertisement for ringling brothers clown college was you know had its application and so that's how it unfolded for me but uh, now with the internet there's just so much more we're talking 1982 and there weren't even computers you know for for popular use and so i think it's it's good to find a mentor because the glut of information is out there if you google clown you're more than likely are going to get a scary clown image you're not going to get my people who are wonderful and generous and kind and mm. happy loving people who just live to make people smile so you have to be a, a little bit careful when you're looking for that go to mooseburger.com <laughs> we'll help you <laughs> i have a question about what are the key differences in um being a comedian versus a clown or are they very similar well um that's a really good question uh because a lot of times comedians get called clowns and but so do politicians and that has nothing to do with it it's very insulting to us (laughs) when they use our name in vain but you know a comedian wants to make people laugh and wants to make people laugh at them you know will use themselves to make them laugh Uh, the clown is a little bit different because they create a persona your clown character is like your alter ego and I think maybe for you know comedians um I like Don Rickles he was if any of you guys are probably don't remember him but he had this sarcastic cutting wit but in reality he was one of the nicest people that you'd ever want to meet he was a very genuine kind person but his stage person was very sarcastic hilariously so clowns have a persona and what happens is, is when we become our clown, it's not like a character in a play where you're acting. It's your own personality that is set free from all the restraints and baggage that you carry around as an adult. You feel free when you have your clown makeup on and you're your happiest, positive, silly, crazy self because the makeup and the costume just do that for you. So there's a, there's a difference that way. We have makeup and costume to help us be funny and help us express ourselves where a comedian, you know, maybe has physical comedy, but more verbal comedy. Hmm. That is so interesting. I love the way I was like thinking the whole time. Oh, I like where she's going with this. This is really interesting. (laughs) Um, Okay. So are there any cultural differences or like subsets of clowns that vary by region? Like you said, you've been all over the place with this. What are kind of. Oh yeah. Well, every, every culture and society has clowns going back through time. Um, But yeah, very much so. Very different. The comedy in Japan is different than the comedy in in Africa than the comedy in America than the comedy in in England it, it, there's all different kinds of cultural norms that are just it's just different it's what people think is funny and um it's it's usually a real shock for Americans when they go to clown in Asia because the Asian audience is so polite they just sit there and stare at you <laughs> and they may be <laughs> laughing on the inside but it's not like even in the United States, when I was with the circus, there was a huge difference in audiences down in Georgia versus Utah. Hmm. Utah, they just 
you know, sat there and, you know, did the golf clap. I mean, it, and in <laughs> Georgia, my gosh, the, they tear down the roof. They're just, it was unreal. The differences in different parts of the country. And that just, again, has to do with culture. Yeah. So how do you gather, how do you get feedback on your routines that you're working on? Well, you listen. If they don't laugh, what, what, what famous clown said, if they don't laugh, it's not funny. <laughs> you know, you just have to watch your audience and read it. And, you know, they'll come up to you afterwards and tell you whether they liked it or not. Or get up in the middle of your act and walk out. Like if you're at a festival, that's like really heartbreaking. But you, most clowns, there's not a, there's not like that, that third wall that you, you directly interact with your audience. You'll find out, you'll know, because you're talking to them, you're doing stuff for them. You're, you don't ignore them. You have to have a relationship with your audience to do comedy, uh, to do live comedy. There's a relationship there. You have to go out on stage and make friends with your audience. Otherwise you're, you're sunk. Okay. When you, when you first started out, how did you overcome the anxiety of, of getting in front of people and, and doing your act and stuff? You kind of mentioned earlier how it's, you become this character, this alter ego, but how did you tie in like overcoming that and insecurity of just getting out there and being yourself? That's a good question because your, your sheer desire to do it overcomes your fear and all good performers have butterflies and are afraid. And I'd say most of us have uh, anxiety over our performances, um, whether we're going to be any good or whether we're going to make people laugh. And um, I've, through my, out my career, have suffered with some severe anxiety about whether I was good enough. You know, you're only as good as your last performance. And, you know, well, what if they don't laugh? I had a, I had a, a business coach and I had to write new material and I had really hit a, 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 a spot where I was suffering because I couldn't, I didn't, I was struggling with writing new material. And she said, is she not, not a clown at all? Said to me, well, what are you afraid of? I said, well, what if I'm not funny? And she just said, well, have you ever not been funny? And I said, well, no. She said, well, then what are you afraid of? But what if I'm not funny this time? And she just laughed at me like, oh, she goes, you know how ridiculous that sounds? I'm like, yeah, I guess that is kind of dumb. I just need to do it. Um, and your sheer desire to get out there because applause and laughter is like food. You have to have it. It's like oxygen. And so you'll, you'll do it even though you're afraid because you need that food and that oxygen and that self you need to be affirmed. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a crazy thing. We're very needy people, <laughs> but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask a logistical question as you're running a business and stuff, how do you know, like, this is going to be a good opportunity versus another one? I think that's, uh, you have to go with your gut and, and be a risk taker. Um, I think that's what slows down people. Uh, that's my question when I uh, talking to people who want to be entrepreneurs and start their own businesses. I have to, I, I honestly say, what is your risk tolerance level? Mm-hmm. You have to have a high tolerance level for risk because you don't know. You could just 
weigh all the facts and make a good guess, but you really don't know. You have to go off of your experience or, or the experience of others. But I know people who just have to work for somebody else because their their tolerance for risk is just so low. They just they just can't bear the thought of risking anything. So they'll stay in a job that they hate because they know that paycheck's going to be there every week. Where entrepreneurs are like, well, how do you know it's going to work? I don't know, but I got to try. I just can't help myself. I've stayed in this business for all these years, not because I was getting, getting rich, but it was just because the personal satisfaction and the people I've met and then the things I've been able to do are worth more than the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when somebody says to you, you saved my life. Well, then what do you do after that? Coming to Mooseburger camp saved my life. Mm-hmm. You teaching me how to clown saved my life. You go, uh, Usually what happens are the days when you have your head on your desk and you're, you know, going, I think I need to quit. I need to get a real job. And then somebody calls you up and tells you that. And you're like, okay, now where do I go with that? I guess I have to keep going. Mm -hmm. So what are like essential props or tools that you think every person who wants to get into clowning should have? Well, personally, I love my rubber chicken that I've attached to my ukulele, but that is because true. it's an art form, <laughs> my chickalele, because it's an art form, it's everybody. Uh, I mean, I know, I know clowns who are magicians and they could never leave without a thumb tip or, you know, certain magic props and balloon artists, you know, clowns who do balloons have to have their balloons and face painters and, you know, puppeteers. Uh, I, I don't know if there's, I think we all need a red nose that pretty much identifies us as clowns. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just going to comment for those of you who are listening. When we first met Trisha, one of the very first things she did was she walked in or like walked back to her office and grabbed her chickalele and played it for us. It was my birthday and she sang me happy birthday and it was delightful. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. And we'll we'll share that we took a video, so we can Oh, share did you? <laughs> oh yeah, we did. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Oh my gosh, you're so sneaky. <laughs> okay, so um what kind of other resources if if someone were like, hey, I want to know more about this or like try it out, what where would you recommend they start just getting some information and getting prepared? Well, I'd say uh, go go to mooseburger.com and check out the e alley or the, uh, the joyful journey, uh, call me, email me. I'm mentoring a, a young girl right now out of Illinois who originally was afraid of clowns. And she thought learning more about clowns would help her get over her fear. And since she's, I gave her a free access to our, our clown online clown meetings on the E alley. And she could not get over how kind and wonderful everybody was. And she was just blown away by the clown community uh, who just couldn't wait to help her and encourage her. So I think uh, for somebody, if you just are getting started, I mean, I can get you connected to the clown community wherever you're at. If I know where you're at, I know clowns all the way, all over the United States at every state of the union. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more than happy to help connect you with other great clowns in your area. There's, I have a nonprofit organization I started called Red Nose Readers, and there's over a hundred Red Nose Readers across the country. 
and they're uh, before COVID, but they're still doing it now, reading stories and getting kids excited about literacy and an anti-bullying message because um, clowns get bullied. Uh, and that's a crazy thing, but we're like the poster child for people who've been bullied. Hmm. <laughs> Most of us had horrible childhoods or were bullied as kids and um, and we're drawn to clowning because if you can make people laugh, they usually aren't uh, trying to hurt you. Hmm. You mm-hmm. are just the coolest person ever. You've got like all these different things that you've started and you've touched so many people's lives and I'm just so happy that we <laughs> met you. Like, it's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, well, and I even think back, like I I remember when I was in high school, we used to do this fundraiser that the city that I lived in would ask our um, youth to um, like be clowns for the parade. And that was like the first time I'd ever done. And I haven't done a ton of it in my life, but I remember when I, one year I decided I was going to like be the best clown I could possibly be. (laughs) And I like got really into it and I was literally like, wow, this is actually so freeing because I figured out for it. Like I was like, I'm not going to speak. Like, I'm just going to be like a mime clown. (laughs) And I would make people get up and like dance with me and like all this stuff. And they were so embarrassed. And it was like the best thing in the world. (laughs) Isn't it awesome? It's like a drug. (laughs) (laughs) So I am right there with you with like, wow, this is actually like when you do it and you're in character, all of a sudden you feel like you can just do all these weird things. And everyone's like, it's fine. They're just the clown. Like they can do that. You're a superhero. Yeah. (laughs) So on that same note, um, I would love to transition into our sister guard portion and hear all like this one story that you would love to share with our our listeners about um, just something ridiculous that you've experienced in your clowning career. Um, I was when I was on the circus with Disney or when I was on the on the circus. Uh, they had this event at Easter time at the White House called the egg, the Easter egg roll. And I don't even know if they do it anymore, but they would probably not just because since 9-11, I'm sure they don't. But there were people, the public, all over the lawn of the White House. And they had a big Easter celebration. And the clowns from Ringling were always performing in Washington, D.C. at that time with the circus, but we would do a publicity event at the White House. And we were, you know, got up at, you know, put our makeup on and got picked up at four in the morning to be there and stand in line and get checked in and be on the grounds entertaining people early in the morning. And I saw this band and I was like, wow, look at that. And I just kind of walked over and there was this big orchestra there and I started messing around with them and they let me uh conduct them and I said wow are you guys the Salvation Army band and they all just like fell out laughing because they were the Marine Corps band like the big deal main Marine Corps band (laughs) it was like oh my gosh I didn't and then when I got done I had no idea who these who they were but it, it was a kind of an important thing and the fact that I had the guts to get up onto the podium and conduct them was pretty awesome oh and I met Red Skelton and I rode elephants for a living (laughs) some coolest person ever you get to ride elephants you get to go to the White House like what (laughs) yeah I know really and 
And that's the funny thing. Cause I live in this town of, you know, 2000 people and I'm just the woman who owns the costume shop. <laughs> they don't really, you know, I mean, my, you know, my, there's a small circle of people in this town, of course, who know who I am and stuff. Cause I was born and raised here, but yeah, most of the people who walk into the shop have no idea who they're talking to. <laughs> but I'm what makes it fun though. It's like an identity that you just, no one knows you're famous, but no one knows, you know. Yeah, the most the most unknown famous person in Maple Lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us today. We have had such a fun time. Oh, um, you guys, I appreciate it. I'm just so inspired by your entrepreneur spirit and that you have your own podcast. I think it's awesome. thanks yeah and if you guys enjoyed this episode um you should give us a review on apple podcast and we will see you next week